Welcome everyone to Faces and Feels episode 34. I am Rafe Houston and I am joined today by a very special guest. Uh, he is one of the brains behind the upcoming brand new promotion out of Melbourne, Australia, Deathmatch Down Under. It is the smash hit Joel fucking Bateman. How are you today, sir? Uh, I'm better now. I've heard that amazing intro. I, <laughs> you I like that? I've been working on it. <laughs> I feel a lot of pressure now. I have to deliver and give a good interview. To, to, I told you to, it was going to be casual, um, hold but up I guess to not. my amazing intro. <laughs> well, I uh, I just want to say before we go too far that I actually love the moniker, the smash hit. I was like, that's uh, very clever, and I enjoy it. So that came from, geez, I, I came up with that in like 2000. There's gunk in my beer. Um, that I came up with that in like 2004, 2005. Because uh, my best friend at the time used to order Impact in through mail order because mm. it was the only real way to watch Impact here um, unless you wanted to wait a month and watch it on Fox Sports. And Christian Cage was the instant classic and the top face in TNA at the time. And yeah. I went, oh, the instant classic, that's cool. What's like the musical version of an instant classic? And I went, it's a smash hit. All right, I'm the just smash done hit. like that. And then yeah, it, that's great. And then after about six months, it lost all meeting and it just sounded cool. Yeah, I reckon it's a banger name, man. And especially for somebody who's going to be in there doing death matches, you know, it's a it's a pretty cool moniker, man. I think you'd be pretty proud of that. I think I think part of the journey for any wrestler is to have like cool nicknames, right? Yeah, like seventeen hundred. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Where it just keeps adding up forever over your career, and eventually you can get announced where they just start listing them off. You know, that's what you need. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, hey, I, I reached out to you um, really because the whole idea of Deathmatch Down Under really excited me. Um, when you guys did the initial tour with Casanova Valentine, um, that immediately caught my attention. I, I'm a big fan of his. Um, and when I saw that he was bringing, like, no ring deathmatch shows to Australia, I was like, how do I cross this fuck-off country and get to Melbourne? Because <laughs> I want to be a part of it, right? And at the time it was going down, um, it was just before Download Festival and we were yep. flying over anyway. So so began my journey of trying to get there, uh, which would inevitably never happen due to COVID. But, but why don't you tell me about how those initial shows happened like what came first the chicken or the egg was the idea of the deathmatch down under promotion before the tour or did that become the uh what's the the word i'm looking for you know the beginnings of the idea of a full-time promotion yeah i understand what you mean mm -hmm. so the the idea of the promotion has always kicked around in my head like i as you said you've probably heard over the last week me kind of tell my origin story with deathmatch wrestling so i've always wanted to kind of have a place to call home that you know, put, puts the respect on deathmatch wrestling that I think needs to be there and kind of put it at the forefront. But the cast thing we kind of stumbled into because I started seeing him pop up on some indies and CZW and stuff. And he's a big guy with a beard who works at a brewery and I'm a not-so-big guy with a beard who worked at a brewery. Um, <laughs> and we, both, and we both do deathmatches. <laughs> I reached out and I went, I'm pretty sure we're the same person just on yeah. the other side of the planet. And he's like, yeah, I think so. And then we got talking and we got yarning and then he's like, I'm, I'm coming to Australia soon. I said, oh, yeah, cool. I said, well, do you want to do some shows? And so it was a kind of a three-way thing. Myself, Cass, and Jay Stevens, who's another one of the brains for Deathmatch Down Under, but at the time was the lead singer of Yard Duty. Um, and we kind of put it all together. And, yeah, I mean, it, 
it was such a foreign concept for Australia to do no ring death matches. And but the pro- the promotion that I'd always sat in my head and went, you know, one day I'll do. Never really had a name. It was just this is this concept that you know I'll get to when I'm in that particular part of my career and want to get to it. But then Cass coming here, seeing how well received he is, and I've said that to a couple of people. Even like on the U.S. Indies, the guys there have no idea at the reach they have worldwide. Yeah, Cass isn't, and he won't mind me saying this. He's not a top guy in the top indies. Do you know what I mean? He's yeah. not on PWG. He's not in Ring of Honor. Exactly. He's, he's, not, he's, in M- he's not in MLW. He's very much a self-made man. Yeah. But he's a self-made man to the point where, yeah, we sold 120 tickets in a week. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? For on the other side of the match, world, right? which is wild, right? Like. Yeah, on the other side of the planet, where in theory, no one knows who the fuck he is. Yeah. Apparently, they do. Um, and then we all kind of went, wait, there might be something to this. And like we, we did the secret show immediately after the first show that same night where we ran down we ran down Johnson Street to another bar like an hour after the first show and put on a second show. Yeah. And then the third show, which was meant to be Deathmatch Down Under 2, because Cass named that. Uh, he called it Deathmatch Down Under. Uh, that was his idea for like the little no-ring show, and we went, oh, that, that's got a ring to it. I like that. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, we had to can the Wednesday show due to COVID restrictions. Like, we started to see it happening, and we heard about it in China because Cass was meant to fly through Hong Kong uh, he did fly through Hong Kong on the way here. And he's like, how close is that to China? I'm like, relax, you'll be fine. <laughs> and then he was meant to fly out the day after download. And we're just watching everything start to catch fire. Like, we had to cancel the show. Shit, all right, sorry, you got to sit around for a week. Before you go home, oh, okay, Cathay Pacific have cancelled all their flights. You can't fly home through Hong Kong. Yeah. Okay, that's a problem. Oh, all right, well, look, now you've got a Qantas flight that has three stops in Australia before flying on to Houston or whatever it was. Jesus. Like, it, it just became a, okay, you look, we can't do the show, that's fine. Okay, crap, we need to get you out of here because you've got another date to make. Yeah. So, that Slash was... get you out of the country and back into yours, like, and maybe not, like, be trapped here, you know? Like, what, what's going to happen? There's a there's a wrestler from the UK named the Pork of York who was meant to be here for two months and was just happened to be here during that time. I met him at those shows, mm-hmm. and he's still here. Wow. <laughs> he's stuck. Yeah, yeah, he's in Brisbane now. He's, do, he's doing an extended tour of Australia. A selfish um, part of me wouldn't have minded Cass being trapped here in Australia. Cause we, me either. <laughs> I, I don't just... think his liver could have taken it. But, <laughs> um, yeah, I'd, I'd yeah, I would have had no problems keeping him in. How, uh, how did he stack up to the Australian way of drinking? He's a very like a bit lightweight. Duck, duck door pond. No. Yeah, okay. He's straight yeah, that boy can drink. Yeah, well, that's right. good to hear. He actually um, – so when, when I heard about the shows and stuff – I, I reached out to him on Twitter. I was at some pub or something. I was drunk late one night. I'm just like, I'm going to reach out to this guy. And I think the – how did the message go? It went a little something like this. And this kind of susses up uh, – I think sums up how accessible Cass is and how good a dude he is. I messaged him just out of the blue, never speaking to him. I said, Cass, I'm considering blowing off all managerial responsibilities, deceiving my work, paying an extra 100 bucks, uh, and crossing Australia two days early to catch the show on the 18th. Sounds like a bad example to my staff and maybe even a bad life-making decision, uh, but also sounds like heaps of fucking fun. Any advice? He said, if you do all that, I'll guest list you and beers on me. Please do it. <laughs> so I was like, that's the kind of example I want set for me <laughs> by my wrestlers. That's 
Cass to a T. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's um yeah, he, he's very much uh, by the boys for the boys. He's a self-made man, but yeah. he's also incredibly humble. He's aware of where he's come from, yeah. uh, and always willing to help. So it was super cool to have him here. Yeah. And yeah, like there was some behind-the-scenes stuff that had happened with the wrestling promotion I was a part of at the time in a producing role because I'd only returned from injury in January. Yeah. Where it wasn't received super positively, um, because obviously deathmatch wrestling in this country does have a bit of a stigma. Um, after the Carnage stuff, which was 18 years ago now, but still, um, it's something I've spoken about a lot. If you're not across it, I'm happy to tell the story. But I am, um, I am across it, but you could touch on it. It is pretty interesting for Australian history. I, I think uh, I, I never saw any of that stuff. It was long before my time. I didn't even know what Australian wrestling was until I feel like re- even really recently. But that was like wild because that, those original death matches basically shut down Australian wrestling, right? Yep. Almost killed the business. So yeah. <laughs> I started in 2001. I was a child. I shouldn't have been wrestling. That's besides the point. However, um, I started in 2001, and I was lucky to catch the last two or three ECW pay-per-views like on a week or two delay. And then what happened was PCW, which was the biggest company definitely in Melbourne at the time, was kind of riding that ECW hardcore wave um, through the end of 2001 and all through 2002, just like hardcore matches and increasing violence and depravity, like they did a Stairway to Hell match where Mad Dog got cut with some scissors, which was really cool for the time. Uh, they did a little bit of barbed wire stuff or TLC, like bloody TLC matches, all that kind of stuff, and it all built to this culmination for the show called Carnage, 9th of September 2002. And it was a no-rope barbed wire, Taipei, which is broken glass on the fists, uh, 40,000 reigning thumbtack deathmatch, known as the Carnage. Reigning thumbtacks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I suppose that was probably the uh, the most cost-effective equivalent to a uh, explosion. Yes. Because explo- explosion, I've looked into it, explosions are not possible in Australia. Uh, we have some of the most strict pyrotechnic laws in the world. So. I once I once had a pyrotechnics license, uh, and it was a yeah, lot of work to have. To violate them is the problem. Well, that's exactly right. It's a lot to get them, and the punishments are quite severe if you violate them, and then you also need to pay a lot to keep it. You know, I let it go away because I'm like, I'm not using this thing and I need to, you know, re-up it all the time, you know. It was something I did through my university. Australia can be kind of nerdy and square and not really let you do anything cool <laughs> as far as that exactly. stuff goes. So, so this Carnage show was the biggest drawing show in PCW history till that point. We drew 1,200 people to the Roville Community Centre. Uh, and it was an in, there was an invasion from the UWA in Sydney Um the return of Spike Steel after a severe injury and the Carnage Deathmatch. The issue was it was advertised as great family action. And then the Carnage Deathmatch was the main event. Like, yeah, they put out warnings during the show going, you know, if you're not into violence or if you're at all squeamish, if you have children, please leave. But obviously, like, kids love that shit. Um, so even by today's standards, like, they didn't use any glass, but even by today's standards, it's a very bloody deathmatch. Um, I have a copy of it on an unlisted YouTube file. Um, but no one will ever find the link to it until I give it to them. But I may need to get that link off you at some point. Oh, I will send that to you so you can watch it. And do yeah, amazing. Secret, secret. But, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm tapping my nose. This is an audio medium. No, I know. We were going. both doing it. Like, haha. But, <laughs> but see, the thing is, the brilliance of the audio medium is that the people didn't know, so it was even an extra level of secret. <laughs> <laughs> so we had... <laughs> 
So what happened is a couple okay. of disgruntled wrestlers who weren't a part of PCW got a hold of what was going on and took it to the media. And the media jumped on it. It was on the back page of the paper, The Current Affair, Today Tonight, all the news, all the radio got on it, exposed the business. So they kind of went through, I, I don't know how kayfabe this podcast is, but whatever. Oh, no, um, they, whatever. They, whatever. Look, and I assume the people listening probably know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Anyway, so like they, they exposed what blading is. Um, they said that people were getting blood splashed on them in the crowd. Not sure. Um, and called it organized barbarism. And the houses went from 1,200 to 90 in three weeks. Yeah, Jesus. And ever since then, the people who were around then have kind of painted Deathmatch with that brush, going, it's going to kill the business. And, like, I understand their trepidation, but it was the bait and switch. You said it was going to be a family night out, and then you went and did Blood and Guts, where what we're doing is very much where we have a tick box when you buy tickets, that says, please read our terms of entry and content warning. There's warnings at the door. There's a warning before the show starts. It's in the title. <laughs> it's, in the, it's in the fucking name of the company. So there's nothing where people don't have the perception of what they're coming in to see. Yeah. So I don't think, I, I like bad deathmatch wrestling can do as much da- damage as anything, but I think setting the expectations early and then delivering on those expectations, I don't think we're going to have a problem. If anything, from what we've seen so far, we're actually excelling with that, you know, relatively simple formula. Absolutely. And so are you saying that um, to do with your previous company and stuff, they were not happy with the idea, like, or at least some were not happy with the idea of this promotion, like not happy with the idea of death matches? They weren't, they weren't happy that I was doing the death match, yeah. for one. Um, and they weren't happy that it was happening, too, and they really weren't happy that it was happening without a ring. Right. So, okay. Um, there were some clauses that I hadn't been made privy to, uh-huh. um, which I, I pushed back on, but I was a performer for that show. I didn't yeah. promote. Jay and Cass promoted it. I was just there as the gopher yeah. and to be the guy that got the shit kicked out of him, yeah. um, which happened. That awesome so, bomb through the table was, <laughs> was absolutely it, savage. It's been like 10 months, and yeah, this will probably never heal. I've yeah. got like bits of glass and stuff in my tricep from it. So, But that was sick. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, and uh, this is the guy bomb. that came back from a shoulder injury, right? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> I'm like, give me the awesome bomb off stage. He's like, you sure? I'm like, yeah, I'll be fine. I loved it when you were like, I'm going to do it. <laughs> yeah, I'm your power bomb you. It's your half um, his size. It's like... <laughs> but yeah, so they, they weren't happy about it. And like some of the guys who, who were in management there were around from when Carnage happened and yeah, understood right. the damage that it yeah. did. But it's not like that was the last time death matches were done in Australia. Yeah. Like mm. almost every major company have done them in one way or another. They just don't call them death matches. It's House of Horrors, or you know, they call it ultra violent rules, or whatever. Yeah, they use them to, to end feuds or, or to pop houses, that kind of thing. But it's very much one and done, and it's not about the story. Yeah. And the long-term story, like like ever since I started wrestling, I've always been a sucker for long-term storytelling. And I think the added spectacle of death matches make telling those stories a lot more easy and a lot more interesting. Yeah, yeah. And, so, and it's a different time now as well. Like when you look at the success of like your GCWs, your uh, ICW No Holds Barred, um, even the, the just the buzz Cass himself gets with like the No Ring shows and stuff like that, it, people... People enjoyed it. It's not like the dark kind of uh, 
secret part of wrestling that people used to not want to admit they liked and stuff anymore. You know, like exactly it's cool right. and, it, and it's and it's part of it. You know. And I think I think like we're lucky where Melbourne is a super progressive city. Yeah. Uh, and we're able to do these kind of things. Um, yeah, I think Melbourne's a more progressive city now than it was then. Yeah. Uh, I think the wrestling business is more progressive now than it was then. Like everyone's kind of realized that certain parts of wrestling aren't for everybody. And that's like, okay. I don't expect like, everyone to like, yeah. yeah, I don't expect everyone to like death matches. Yeah. I'm not a huge fan of comedy wrestling. When it's done well, awesome. When it's done badly, it makes me want to pull my eyes out. Yeah. So, yeah, it's the, it's the ice cream theory. The flavor of ice cream that I might like might not be the flavor of ice cream that you like. That's fine. We still both like ice cream. Yeah, exactly right. And I, I think there's definitely room in wrestling for everybody to enjoy all their individual flavors. And, and speaking of Melbourne, like – the the idea of the venues um, interested me as well. Like, how does that look when you're trying to explain a no ring death match to <laughs> to like a venue? Like, so what we're going to do? <laughs> Throw so, glass so with around the, with, and... the, with the no ring death match shows back in March. We we had a venue, so we booked a venue called Globe Alley that actually sold and went out of business like a week before the show. Like, we'd heard a grapevine that they were changing hands, but we'd spoken to the venue and we'd spoken to management and they were super keen and it's like, well, it was one of Yard Duty's regular venues. And then, out of nowhere, sold, locked the doors. Wow. We're not trading Just again. barred up. <laughs> oh, fuck. Cass is on a plane and we don't have a venue. So, um, jump on the jump on the blower, jump on a couple of like industry, like uh, hospitality forums, and go, "Hey guys, we've got this. We've got 120 punters guaranteed for your venue on a Friday night. Like, you don't have to do anything. You just got to let us trash the place and then tidy up." And a couple of places came back to us. A couple of really weird places came back to us. Like a karaoke bar came. A couple of karaoke bars came back to us, and they're like, "Yeah, cool." I'm like. You sure? And then, like, the first thing is, okay, this is the concept. And then they go, okay, yeah, cool. And then I forward them one of Cass's matches, and I go, so this is what it actually looks like. And then a couple of places went, yeah, no, we're good. And yeah, I'm like, yeah. I understand that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Look, as long as you know. So, and then, yeah, we ended up landing on Bar Open, which was a, a super cool building. They'd never done anything like that before, but we sold out. We couldn't, it was literally standing room only. God knows, I don't think we'll ever see an event like that post-COVID, but... Um, it was awesome, but yeah, I mean, we did that show, ran down the road to the tote, did the second show, um, tidied up the tote, swept all the glass up there, and, and that was the thing because we're like, can we we're gonna smash light tubes around the building, and and probably gonna be some blood on the floor, and they're like, yeah, we don't care. Uh, <laughs> they're like, that's just a Saturday night. <laughs> There's always blood and glass yeah. on the floor. It's fine. Yeah, you know, in a punk bar in Melbourne, that's not far from the norm. Yeah. Um. And then, yeah, went back up to bar open, swept up all the glass, tidied the joint up, got in the car and went home. Yeah. When you're running out the door to the other show, you're like, honestly, we're going to be back. I swear. We just got this other one. We're going to be right back. <laughs> no, <I laughs> Looking like, at you I nervously. Like, like, I'll, be, I'll be back in an hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But um, the best thing was because I got in the car and drove, Cass left before I did. And because there was no showers or anything, he'd like just walk down the street with his gear bag, just covered head to toe in blood and glass. <laughs> Look like Godzilla walking Don't down Johnson Street. Never the amount of looks. Wipe, I'm, like, I'm like, you could have waited 10 minutes for me to drive you. He's like, no, nah, I just wanted to get down there. I was like, what was the walk like? He's like, I got stopped a couple of times. I said, by, by police. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, we, are you so, all right, you giant bearded madman? Like, 
Yeah, so he again okay, covered in blood, covered in glass. Looks like he's been in a car accident. Ridiculous. <laughs> like so many things that could have gone wrong on that weekend went right. Yeah. Including all the things that went wrong. Amazing. It's it's so it's so cool, man. When you when you uh, are now looking at venues for Deathmatch Down Under, have you guys the the place is it what it's Arrow, isn't it? Um, Arrow and Swan. Arrow and Swan. So they're obviously aware of what's going on. Is this a place you're looking to make a home base out of? or Most definitely. So uh, for those who know Melbourne, uh, Arrow and Swanson is about three blocks north of Melbourne Central Shopping Centre. So it's right in the heart of the CBD. Uh, there's a tram stop out the front. Um, the only wrestling that's been run there before, MCW did a show there that was best known for the Will Ospreay, Adam Brooks, Robbie Eagles, mm-hmm. Triple Threat. Um. And that was Bad Luck Farley's first show for MCW. So we ran that building there, um, and I, w- I went back to you know the MCW powers of B and said, are you guys ever going to use this building again? And they said, no, great, because um, it's in the city. They have the facilities we need when it comes to things like showers and you know a big backstage area for our treatment team and stuff like that. And and it's a good price. And, and we said, you know, we want to do death matches, and we my like with the the promotion, you know, one of our key values is transparency. So we went to them and said, we're going to do death matches, send them footage of Game Changer, Big Japan, the no ring stuff. And they're like, not a problem. We explained the contingencies we're putting in place in terms of like things like tarping the floor and stuff like that, just for, for glass and cleanup instead of having to vacuum an entire building. And they've got no problems with it. They, they've come to the party with us. We have... 12 dates at Arrow next year Wow! Um, for 2021. So, like I said, whatever we're doing seems to be working Yeah. because we were originally only going to run the 11 dates at Arrow and then we picked up some other dates in Ballarat and, like, I'm happy to give you the scoop. Yeah. But we've picked up, like, for a wrestling company in their first year, to give you an idea, I think Ring of Honor ran 10 shows in their yeah. first year. Uh-huh. We're on track to run like 23. Oh, brother, that's awesome. So that's super cool. Super stressful. Yeah, yeah, like, dude. Super, super cool. Like, that's what I mean. So whatever we're doing seems to be working because yeah. we're getting, you know, tapped on the shoulder by other venues that, you know, maybe we'd previously spoken to or mm. someone who knows someone who wants us for a function. Yeah. Um, even stuff outside of Victoria, which I, w- I will talk to you about off air. But, um. Yeah, stuff in other states uh, and potentially even internationally, touch with uh, if COVID wants to sort itself out. Yeah. So it's it's working. And then even you know to the point where we spoke to Arrow last week and went, "Hey, we want to do a New Year's show um, where it starts in 2021 and finishes in 2022." And they're like, "Cool, Sick. sounds like fun." Um, so they've got no problem with it at all. Uh, they've been great, you know, supporting us in terms of price. The cool thing is it's also a hotel, so fans can stay in the same building as the show. We can put wrestlers up in the same building as the show, so logistically we don't have to worry about, like, oh, we're going to pick this person up from the airport. We just tell them be downstairs at whatever time. Amazing. (laughs) And I I must imagine as well that, like, when you're putting together something for IWTV, which is obviously a big deal for you guys, you're going to be debuting worldwide, uh, and there's a lot of buzz about that, like, on the... You know, the US side, you see, um, you know, international wrestlers already talking about it and repping it and stuff. John Wayne Murdoch in main events wearing your guy's shirt and stuff. That's got to feel real good. And then you're like, now we need to make sure that this 
what the product is that we're delivering always kind of looks uniform and cool, you know, on camera. Like you want a vibe that becomes like when you turn on Deathmatch Down Under, you know, you've got that look. You know what I mean? Like in No Holds by like Pit Fighter X, you kind of know that pit when you see it or when um, GCW runs in it's a few of its more iconic buildings like a... Oh, like, what? you know, the showboat when you see the showboat. Exactly. Yeah. The showboat was the exact one I was looking for. I couldn't remember. I was like, the one that looks like a big top. You know, that, that kind of stuff. It stands out. So, you, you know, you, you become sort of synonymous with that. I feel like that's kind of important for a, a company's image, right? And so most, you, you must be considering definitely. how it looks on film and, and the vibe you want to put over. That's been a huge part of it. And the, the cool thing, Arrow and Swanston is like an old uni lecture hall. Yeah. But used to run a lot of underage discos, you know, uh, what is that called? Not blue. I can't remember. What it blue light discos? discos? That's it. Blue lights. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and We're freezer gigs that. and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So was it blue something? That's how I know I'm getting old. Um, these kids today. With their, their fancy blue light discos. Surely they don't <laughs> exist. Surely they don't exist today. <laughs> I hope not. I really hope not yes. for a myriad of reasons. But yeah, IWTV was a huge thing for us. We we sat down as a collective and went, what do we want out of our, our video on demand? Do we want to make a bit more money or do we want the exposure? And we sat there and we went, look, we could run our own you know, Vimeo or Pivot Share and have it, but realistically, we don't have a back catalogue of content. So, you know, I'd feel bad charging people 10 bucks a month to watch one show. Um, and... And realistically, it won't happen. Not straight away or, or in huge numbers, you know. IWTV is already set up. And you're putting, built, putting yourself... in built in of 300,000 people or however many straight, straight out. You're just plugged straight in like that. And you're, you're standing there next to other, like, worldwide top five indies, you know. When, when ICW, who are arguably maybe putting out the best content on IWTV, are plugging you... Instantly, you guys have de- are debuting as like, we're a contemporary to these guys. You know what I mean? We stand next to them straight out the gate. And I loved it, man. Like, I, I, I have a band background as well, not unlike Jay. You know, I, I was in a metal band for over 10 years and would tour and do things like that. And 99% of the battle is image and like how you yeah. promote yourself out of the gate. Like, if I was going to do uh, a new band tomorrow... I know the things that I need to have in line. So when I begin, I'm headlining shows. You know what I mean? Like exactly. like when it, when you come out the gate, you've got your social media together. You've got your look together. You've got the artwork. You can find everything, you know, and things like that. And I just love that you guys have done that straight away. I was like, these dudes get it. You know what I mean? Like straight away, I was like, I can't wait to see what the product looks like on camera. Well, like I said, like the, the benefit of the pandemic was that we had the time to kind of really get all that stuff down. Yeah. And then, yeah, we decided let's go with exposure. And we, we, we hit up IWTV. And, again, they've been so amazing with us because until we put that show out, largely sight unseen. They might know a couple of guys on our card, but they don't know who the fuck Damien Rivers is or who Callum Butcher is. So they're doing this based on, you know, the reputation of the few guys they know and the fact that, we know what we're talking about. We know what they're interested in. We know what their audience is interested in. And to be put on the same, like we as a management group sit there sometimes and go, we jumped the queue so fucking ridiculously and we haven't even done anything yet. So let's Sweet. hope that all 22 people on this first show don't shit the bed collectively <laughs> all at the same time. Yeah. Well, look, There's no way that's going to happen. We all have a bad night. We should yeah. be fine. But 
yeah, like like having ICW say nice things and, and you know, guys from Game Changers are doing retweets and stuff like that as well. And Drew Parker in Japan's, you know, a big supporter of us. Seeing all this stuff and we go, like, this is already bigger than what we had planned. Yeah. We thought we were going to get 100 people to the first show. That's fine. That's what we projected. We've done double that. We've sold out. Front row went in an hour. Yeah. And now, yeah, so we're like we've invested a ton of money in production. Um, we do have a vibe for the show. We've tried to kind of put that out in a lot of the, the marketing for the first show and a lot of the videos and the, the promo videos have been great. TV. They've been great. Um, but also trying to be inclusive with those as well, like just little things like subtitles. Yeah. Um, I, I know are a big thing for, you know, a portion of the audience who, who are hearing impaired. Um, and I know how important that is to them. So that's something. Or even you know, for 30 plus year old men who are watching deathmatch videos while his wife's asleep. Like those kind of situations as rare as they are. <laughs> they want to know what's going yeah. on, on the <laughs> at low volume. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, for, for people who are watching deathmatches while they're significant over is asleep in the bed next to them. But, Thoughtful. Yeah, we're, we're super excited to be able to kind of present the product. And we went, we sat there and we'd invested a bunch of money in production. As because restrictions have eased here in Melbourne over the last you know couple of months, so we went okay. We're going to get X amount of people. We can put Y amount towards production, and then as we were able to kind of add more and more people, we've slowly increased the production budget because this is a lot of people's first time seeing Australian wrestling. Mm-hmm. So we've got to present that we're not an outlaw mud show. Yeah. Not that we are or we aren't, but Aaron, Arrow and Swanson's a beautiful venue. But making sure that the ring is lit, the entrance is lit, the commentary is recorded live straight into the mic, straight into the feed. So the editing, it's going to be a hell of a lot easier. You know, making sure it's those little production things that not a great deal of people think about, but you miss them when they're done badly. Yeah, they're, and they're, all those tiny details are, are the crucial parts that are the difference between being professional. And like you say, just being being a, a Joe Bloggs mud show, you know, you need to – it still kind of surprises me when I will see stuff, even on IWTV, and those things aren't taken care of, you know. I was like, oh, man, this really affects my enjoyment. Um, it is nice to see when they, like, improve on that, though. Like, uh, so No Peace Underground, I tried to watch their, like, first show, but the – I haven't watched it all the way through. They might improve it on it, but the, the commentary's all weird. It's kind of like echoey. I think it's partially live or something at the time, and I, I couldn't even watch it. Like it was like It's over the house, Mike. That's yeah, what it was. Yeah, and it was just all echoey and weird, and then I was very happy that I was like, man, I really want to watch these shows. I keep seeing all this buzz about them, but I just, I'm a bit of an audio guy and stuff, and I was like, I just, I just, just can't, you know? Uh, and then when the, the next one came out and they'd fixed it, I was like, nice, okay, we're making steps to kind of uh, refine everything and look at those details because if people aren't, you, you alienate people, you know? A hundred percent, and it, things down to the commentary team yeah. and the ring announcer as well because they are the voice of Absolutely. the company. Like online, yeah, it's Jay and Aaron and myself and Callan and a bunch of other people all running you know, our, our social media and trying to be as interactive as we can. But when it comes to the shows, like the first face they're going to see on the stream is Jay's. And yeah. Jay's going to do a little speech before it goes into the into the show. But, you know, we've got a re-announcer uh, who's frontman for a metal band, funnily enough. Yeah, yeah. Um, guy named Brenton Harris, who is amazing. Uh-huh. Which band was he from? Uh, Catholic Guilt. Okay, okay. Yeah, so the frontman for Catholic Guilt. Yeah. 
Uh, he's going to re-announce the first show. Uh, we've got Andy Coyne as our, our lead ring announcer and my new wife, uh, Jess Bateman, now. Mm, um, i, I got to call the show because, you know, we, we are a gender-neutral promotion like we do have a lot of intergender stuff. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to make sure that the, the voices of the company weren't just all blokes, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and Jess was a wrestler, um, you know, for a couple of years and fucking brilliant when she was. If you want to go and look her stuff up, yeah. it's all on the Australian Wrestling Network, but... Um, she was a great wrestler, and I think it's going to be an amazing commentator. So it's it's they're the voices and they're the face of our company. They're going to be the ones to tell the story, as much as we can do it in the ring. Um, a good show can be ruined by bad commentary. Yeah, and, that, and a bad and a, and a bad announcer, and it drives me fucking bonkers. <laughs> oh my god! Even shows here domestically, um, who shall remain nameless, but they know because I've told them. Um, <laughs> Bad commentary. I'm just like, how are you fucking this up? Yeah. So and it, and it's like, and if you, if you can't adapt and roll with that, then you just need to look for somebody else because it's so crucial, like to people's enjoyment of the product, right? Like it's so important. Exactly. You ever try watching wrestling on mute? It gets really, really boring. Yeah. Um, you need, oh, unless there's subtitles, of course. Oh yeah. Well, um, yeah. <laughs> but you you need the context to be given to you, and that's what the announcers are the best thing for. They're, they're giving you the context of the action that's happening in the ring. Yeah. Um, you know, most people haven't been given a powerbomb. Most. But, you know, everyone's <laughs> stepped on a piece of glass or got a thumbtack through their foot or, you know, pricked themselves on a cactus or something like that. So to be able to kind of expand on the context and what the audience can find relatable and then translate that into the context of the match and the context of the show and the context of the company... It's not an easy job, and you know we're, I'm, we as a team are really, really lucky to have Jess and Andy on board to be able to kind of do that as well as I know they're going to be able to. Like like I said, it blows my mind. I think we jumped the queue um, yeah. for a lot of things, having not done anything yet. So, you know, it, it's all the, the hard part's done. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's now now the ball is rolling. Like we're working on the artwork for our second show already, and we, we're, you know, we're having discussions about whether or not we want to put tickets up for it. Um, straight away, or whether we want to kind of wait until the end of the next show. But I, I personally think the second show is a stronger card than the first one. Yeah, right. Um, and yeah, I'll, I'll tell you what the card is off air because yeah. there's still a couple of variables, including whatever the fuck's going on in Sydney. Well, that, that's why I was going to bring up. I'm like, so obviously with stuff that um, that has gone on in the past uh, with with what we were talking about, and then now with this kind of new stuff that's going on in Sydney. Does that have the potential to shut anybody out or stop anything from this this next show? Yep, um, most definitely. So one of our marquee matches is Shaz and McKenzie versus Richie Taylor. Shaz lives in Sydney. Um, so we're monitoring that as closely as we can. Um, we were lucky to be able to add Shaz to the card because, like I said, as restrictions have been easing, the original draft of the show didn't have Shaz on it. It was all Victorian talent. And then we had a couple of talents drop out and in the time period between us booking them and us saying them turning down the booking, um, or what, what ended up happening is a couple of people have come up injured or have scheduled surgeries and treatments, so they're unable to perform. The borders had opened, so we go, okay, cool, we can actually use some interstate talent. So we've got Michael Weaver coming in from Adelaide, who I think is probably the most underrated heavyweight in the country. Um, his lariat's harder than AJ Gray's, and I'll fucking I'll say that. And you put that to print. AJ Gray, come fight me if you've got a problem with it. Um, he probably will. At, he's, he's pretty uh, adamant about that. 
Bring that and that's what I said when we when we wrote the match. I'm like, Weebs, if you get one fucking move in in this match, you larry the piss out of both of Raw Beef. Like, yeah, I yeah. want the world to see how exactly. hard you just kill him, just kill him because it fucking sucks. <laughs> yeah. Um. And Shaz, we're able to add Shaz to the show, so she she's you know her reputation precedes her. Um. Unfortunately, with all the COVID, the the kind of the outbreak of COVID in Sydney, we don't know what's going to happen. So we're just monitoring it as close as we can. I believe Shaz technically lives in a red zone now. We've got four weeks. I'm just playing it by ear. Realistically, we'll probably make a call the week of the show. Um, We said as a promotion we never want to do the bait and switch. Um, We never want to advertise something we know we can't deliver. And if we ever do have to substitute a talent, we always want to make the sub better than the original. And Shaz is very much irreplaceable, but we'll do our best if... The time comes that we have to swap her out. Um, she's always going to have a, a, a home in Victoria here with us, regardless if if she's on the debut show or not. So, yeah. Well, I mean, there's still plenty of time, and that they seem to be responding to it quite quickly. So hopefully it sorts itself out and everything goes ahead as planned. Fingers crossed. Absolutely. Well, let's uh, let's start looking at the cut in a little bit more detail, man. Um, I, th- I think it's pretty stacked. Um, I, I like that you guys are beginning with a tournament. I love wrestling tournaments uh, and I love the idea of going, okay, we're coming out the gate with uh, with a tag team title tournament. I, I think that's a really cool idea. Are the... Now, the the tag titles, they're, they're not death matches, right? They're just... They're, they're... No, so, the, so the, we've got three belts within the company. So uh-huh. we've got our heavyweight title, we have the tag belts and we have the Australian death match title, the first actual death match title belt. Yeah. In Australia, which is exciting and terrifying all at the same time. <laughs> and that's not to be confused with the the belt you're going for, right? So the, not, the, yeah, the, so the, the belt that you're wrestling for will, will be in play as well. Yeah, exactly. So, Correct. Yeah, so yeah, cool. the tag belts are kind of the bridge between the two divisions. Between the heavyweight division, which is the heavyweight division, big boys and girls beating the dog shit out of one another. Love it. Big, strong style, heavy, hard-hitting matches. So the tags are kind of the, the the gap between the two and the everything else. Like that, it's a very as you've seen with the five teams we've announced, and I'll give you one more on here just to see how far it goes because we're going to announce them next week. But I'll give it to you uh-huh. now. It's a bit of a scoopsie. Um, so we went. Let's go with the tag tournament first, and we didn't want to do an entire show full of tag team matches for our first show. So we've got two first round matches in January, two first round matches in February, and then the semis and the final will be in March. So the two tournament matches we've got on the January show, we have Aiden Miller and Tyson Baxter versus Asia and Murdoch. So Aiden Miller and Tyson Baxter are probably two of the best junior heavyweights in the country. Hand on heart. Aiden, most underrated guy um, you've ever seen. You watch five minutes of his work and you go, fuck me, he's money. He's done a bunch of US tours, but just for whatever reason, you know, like keeps getting getting passed over. Tyson's back from, you know, a really serious knee injury and has done great stuff with MCW. And, you know, he's one of the coaches at the MCW Academy now, so we're super lucky to have him. Uh, Jet Ruka was originally meant to be in this match, so he was one of the guys who, who dropped out and we were able to move stuff around a little bit. Um, but Aiden and Tyson, you know, were childhood friends and held tag titles wrestling teddy bears on trampoline at five yeah, years right, old. Right. So having style. them in the tournament, <laughs> having had them not team a whole lot, means a lot to them personally, yeah, and I'm right, super okay. excited to have them. And then Aisha and Murdoch, who have both made their name at PCW and are looking to do something a little bit different. 
Um, so having them as a team, um, they obviously get along really well outside of wrestling, and I think their styles complement each other a lot. Um, both of their matches are all on the PCW network, which you can find online through Google PCW network. Um, their work, like Asia, is super technical. Um, I think like octopus stretches, yeah, right. 17 different armbar variations. Like I, I see a lot of Jonathan Gresham vibes. Wow, okay, her. cool. And from a f- female wrestler as well, that's really interesting. She's just smart. She's yeah. a smart wrestler. And then Murdoch is more of a, I guess, chaotic, uses his... If Ilya Dragunov was half a foot shorter... Because Ilya's very much that chaotic, uses body to his advantage at the detriment of his own body. Yeah. Uh, and Murdoch's the same, but the with the other dynamic of both of them being smug little shit. Um, <laughs> so I'm super excited to see that one play out. Yeah. And then the other the other match uh, is the team of Blacklisted, so JXT and Fox. Um, kind of again doing what they want to be doing instead of doing what they're being told to do. Causing a great deal of trouble. We'll upload the press conference in its um, in its entirety probably next week. But we, we did a media day where we did a press conference with them and they said some stuff that's... Uh, um, look, if they want me to put it out in its entirety and not redact anything, that's fine. The amount of heat that's probably going to come to them <laughs> is not my problem. It is 100% their problem. Yeah. Um, but they're very much doing what they want. Uh, and JXT obviously has a great reputation overseas as well. So they're teaming up against Avery, um, whose work again proceeds to start a five-star Grand Prix, wrestled all over Australia, had more belts than most people have had matches. Um, and Curtis Day, who's one of the most underrated guys here in Melbourne, mostly out of the NAW promotion, but um, is a really talented, solid hand. So I think those two as a team will be really good. And then the other two teams, so one we've already announced, uh, which is the team of Katie Lux and Charlie Rose. So Charlie Rose is out of Tasmanian Championship Wrestling in Launceston. And Katie Lux is mostly out of the Vicious Pursuit School, um, has wrestled most of the indies here in Melbourne, done a bit of traveling herself. I did the, the last girl show as well, uh, under the MCW banner. She's brilliant. Those two are going to work great together. And then I'll give you this one, and you can only keep it in audio form. Don't put it in print until we Fine, I won't say anything. (laughs) We are very lucky to be able to have the Velocities joining us. Oh, wow. Okay, that's huge. So we've got got Barris De Silva and uh, Jude London uh, for us. And the other two teams... um, that I can't announce yet. Oh, I can t- I'll tell you off air, but I can't yeah. announce it yet just because we're waiting on one more thing to drop into place. Mm-hmm. But, again, we only get one chance to make a first impression, so we figured, you know, let's go to the best tag teams in the country. And yeah, you, know, you ask anyone in, in Australia who, you know, your top three teams are, the velocities are always either yeah. one or two. So we are, we're lucky to be able to have Paris and Jude in February. So that's exciting. That's so exciting. That, that's wicked. And I love that you guys are doing... Um, true intergender stuff as well. Like, it's not about uh, female division, guys' division, anybody can be anything, and I love that. I, th- I think it's going to be great. It's really going to show well, what I they mean, can do. I, I get asked all the time, like, if there's one talent that we could have access to that we don't, who would it be? And for me, without a doubt, it's Kellyanne. Like, mm-hmm. a company like this is custom-built for her, but unfortunately, due to her contract, she's unable to wrestle. But... The the best Vixen's one of the best deathmatch wrestlers in Australia. Yeah. 
I don't want to pigeonhole her into girls' matches. That's the last thing I want. Yeah. Shaz is one of the best wrestlers in the country, period. Um, Avery's one of the best wrestlers in the country, period. Um, people like Jessica Troy, Steph Beland, uh, Casey Johns, Lena Cross, um, all, you know, my eyes are firmly on everything they're doing, and I know the collective management all want to bring them in at some point. They've all wrestled each other a gazillion times. What's the? Where's the fun in that? Yeah. Let's put on those after, you know, half a dozen of these uh, and a big meal where you're sitting around the table with your mates to go, fuck, you know what would be cool? This person versus this person, you know? Yeah. And you, you pitch that random thing be like, you know what would be cool? Avery versus JXT. Yeah. People go, fuck, that would be cool. We, we, we've yeah, created exactly. the platform for stuff like that to happen yeah, because we, you know, it's that double-edged sword where amazing talent like Avery and JXT aren't going to be with us forever. They're going to get picked up and they're going to go on to greener pastures. Look at Kellyanne, look at Slex, look at Adam Brooks and uh, Jonah Rock. They're all gone. Um, where two years ago they were, you know, the, the concrete pillars of Australian wrestling. So I want to be able to get the most out of the talent that we've got access to while we've got access to mm. them. I'd hate to, and potentially to you know, say we passed over this amazing dream match that, you know, we never have the opportunity to again. Yeah. So if we only get people like that once, I want to make that once count. Yeah, you know what I mean? Absolutely. And, yeah, and we, with your guys' new platform, you have the the potential to help launch new stars as well. And be, it'd be great to be looking back, you know, in a few years and seeing people that you have kind of given a chance onto bigger and better things, you know. That, that's we'll, we'll speak to the work that you guys have been able to achieve. And the other side of that as well is, like, we want to try and take as many Australian fans as we can to IWTV. So Australians listening, if you haven't signed up for IWTV already, please use the code DMDU. It gives Do you it. five days free, and it also shows IWTV that we have fans that give a shit, to be completely honest. It's a, it's a huge, huge help for us. But if we take our fans to IWTV for 10 bucks Australian a month, you get ICW... Game Changer, No Peace, H2O, etc., etc., etc. And our fans here in Australia can become more familiar with the international talent that we're inevitably going to be bringing over. It's, a, it's much an amazing it service, X, yeah. W, As yeah. much fun as it is to fly in ex-WWE guys, yeah. um, no disrespect to them because they, they have their purpose and there's a time and a place for that kind of thing. But the people that we want to be bringing in are the best deathmatch wrestlers in the world and the best independent wrestlers in the world. And the best place to see people like that, like your John Wayne Murdochs, like your Alex Colon, like your Alex Ocean, Ricky Shane Page, Toshiyuki Sakuda, the list goes on, the best place to see everyone in one spot for a good amount of money is IWTV. Exactly. Do, put in the code, just check it out. That's how, how I got on it. I, I just did a promo code and I ended up like watching it for a month and then like the COVID stuff had hit and I'm like, I'm just going to buy the annual membership to this thing. I think it was like 125 bucks or something and every time like I'm playing it, I know like I'm supporting independent dudes who were like literally without a job. You know what I mean? I would just leave it like playing like on my laptop in my house when I went to work and stuff because I was like, at least I can do for anybody because these dudes put their bodies on the line for everybody, you know? So it's it's worth it. That's so cheap, man, like to, to do it. Exactly, and then like the the back of house stuff with IWTV, but I won't go too much into it. But there's so little bureaucracy when it comes to dealing with that. It, it, it's hand to mouth. Yeah. The support that the fans show for a particular promotion 
gives a kickback to the promotion and gives a kickback to IWTV for them to be able to expand their operation and expand their servers and upload more footage. Um, we aren't going live as, as much as, you know, it would be cool to say that we go live on international pay-per-view. I don't need that much stress in my life. Um, <laughs> Let's get a couple mention, knocked out first and then... Uh, <laughs> not to mention the time difference is kind of a pain in the ass. Yeah. We either have to ha- start the show at like 11 a.m. or like 1 in the morning mm-hmm. for it to kind of work for an international time zone. Um, so we, we've got the benefit of being able to kind of, you know, like tidy it up a little bit before it goes out. But not every show that we do is going to have a premiere date. And like all of our Arrow shows, I believe, unless, you know, we get bumped for something more pressing, should have a premiere date on IWTV. All of our non-Arrow shows will just get uploaded to IWTV. But if you're watching our shows on IWTV, that shows them that fans care about us. Yeah. And it, and it allows us to do cool things. Like, there's a million things that we're talking about moving forward that, you know, a lot of things need to go right, but one of those things that need to go right are people need to sign up to IWTV using that code. Like, it's 10 bucks a month. That's a couple of beers. Yeah, exactly. It, and it's and the, the amount, of, it, it kick back, kicks back to us. Again, not even monetarily, because, again, we went, do we want cash or do we want exposure? But putting that code in shows that we have a fan base that's willing to invest in our product and that, me that's worth its weight in gold yeah absolutely I, i'm sure it will go lucky once you show that sort of value to iwtv that means that when uh, to to tell people about the app like when you open it it sort of will have you know news headlines and stuff that are coming up this week and three death matches this week and whatever it may be and that's you guys on a header you know that's the image that's you in the the calendar feature where you can just go through like it shares uh, you can look at the schedule of all upcoming shows on IWGP, uh, IWTV. Oh, IWGP, my New Japan roots coming out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> look, I'm ambitious. I'm not that ambitious. Yeah, well, well, we'll get there. Um, uh, like with the add to calendar, you can go through and you can literally just think and it drops it into your Google calendar and so people people know and stuff, you know, that that's like super important. Exactly, yeah. um, 100%. So the, the more support that we can be given on an international platform, yeah. the better. Um we got sidetracked, so back yes, to the okay. January back, card. back to the matches. So let's talk about, I think the the next one after the, the tag team matches is the uh, barbed wire board death match, isn't it? Uh, yeah, so so that's another one of the matches that have been announced. I'm pretty sure the whole card's been announced at this point. So uh, barbed wire board death match, tag team barbed wire board death match. So it's the team of Raw Beef, which is RXSP and Too Crazy. Right, no. Two big Maori guys. Um... Actually, I believe they're Tongan. So if I call them Maori, they're going to get really upset. Oh, but Edit. I'll, I'll take it out. <laughs> no, no, no. Look, I'm being completely honest. I, I'm waiting for the, They both suck at social media. So oh. if they're angry at me, they need to respond to the copies that I sent them. Ah, uh-huh. so, a little bit of shade. Cop that, cop that fellas. <laughs> but they, um, they've been a staple of the NAW tag division for the last three or four years. I, I think of them almost like a three-minute warning. Yeah to be honest, two guys who are not small guys who can do stuff that shouldn't be able to do stuff. They are crazily athletic, crazily strong, unbelievably charismatic. They're both competitive eaters and produce their own music. Competitive eaters, oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. (laughs) That's the most terrifying thing, the mindset that that takes. (laughs) Right. Um, And they're they're both keen as mustard for some death matches and... Just to kind of break out because they've read, they've done everything that they can on kind of the smaller indies, and we went when we wrote a short list of guys that we kind of wanted to go. 
we need to book guys with cred to give us cred and who are the guys that we want to book who nobody knows about that is going to blow everybody's mind at the top of everyone's list was Raw Beef. So we're super excited to be able to have them and they're wrestling Mad Dog and Heavy Set Violence, Michael Weaver. Mad Dog's, again, his reputation precedes him. He, more than anybody else, has been flying the flag for deathmatch wrestling in Australia. He's in that Carnage deathmatch in 2002. 18 years later, he's still doing deathmatches. He did one last night for Battle Championship Wrestling. Here, I saw him in an STF whilst on fire. Because <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. That's Mad Dog. So, um, ma- mad by name and <laughs> mad by nature. <laughs> yeah, uh, he's done a bunch of Freedoms tours, big Japan tours. Like, Japan is where his heart is. So, he's done a lot of work in Japan. Um so he's kind of also the only deathmatch guy that anyone outside of Australia knows about because of his work. In Japan. Yeah, yeah. Quick, and so, then quick, like, oh, sorry, I was just going to say quick no, so, okay. sideways about uh, freedom. Real quick, it just reminded me, and you saying that he was there. The only barbed wire deathmatch, uh, uh, barbed wire board deathmatch I've ever seen was live at Shankiba First Ring uh, for Freedoms, and it was Takeda. I'm, I'm going to butcher all their names, so I'm not going to even try. No, you're right. Takeda you're and right. his partner versus these other two dudes, and man. Though there were not any boards left by the end of the match, like it was, I was getting hit by kindling as these guys were like spearing each other through boards and stuff. It was literal carnage. So I'm kind of terrified as to what somebody who could uh, be in an SCFU on fire could achieve with uh, these weapons. Exactly. So uh, our thing with Mad Dog is everyone knows who Mad Dog is. He is the best of us. Yeah. But. There will be a time and a place for Mad Dog to be at the top of the card. And he, for me, I, I'm really lucky as a performer because I, when I broke in, I idolized Mad Dog and have grown to be his peer and grown to be his friend as well as, you know, an opponent and a partner and all that kind of stuff. So I hold him, you know, on a pretty high pedestal yeah. and believe that he is the gatekeeper. A singles death match against Mad Dog is the biggest challenge we have until we have a title. Wow, hundred percent. Which is why you'll notice over the you know the first show, Mad Dog's in a tag team match. Yeah, because realistically, you've got to earn a shot against him. There's four of us in singles death matches for February. The powers that be have got Mad Dog penciled in for a singles death match. But we don't know who it's going to be against. So, having him in the tag match is kind of cool. Uh, Vixen was originally meant to be his partner. Vixen is currently injured, unfortunately. Uh, we will show the best of luck, and hopefully she'll be back for February. Um, but it gave us an opportunity to book Michael Weaver, and he's been, he, he was another guy at the top of the list of guys that no one knows that everybody should. 160-kilo, hard-hitting madman. He can do a moonsault off the top rope, but is also, like, it's the hardest forearm I've ever been hit with in my entire life. He throws bombs, um, but is also very much not used to wrestling guys who can throw them around. So it's four guys who are all very strong, not afraid of getting hit in the brain, not afraid of barbed wire, um, going absolutely ham. Don't so believe in think- CTE or don't care about it <laughs> either way. Yeah, so I look... Good match, bad match. It's going to be entertaining. Like, I'm not expecting a technical masterpiece. I'm expecting utter fucking chaos. <laughs> I'm here for it. That is going to be awesome. Uh, I think mm. the next match I ha- had listed as I went through the thing, I think it got cancelled, if I remember correctly. I think Sicko Smacks had to step away, didn't he? He was going to be versing Ugg? Yeah, so it was meant to be Sicko Smacks versus Caveman Ugg. Um, Smacks hasn't been the worst uh, well of people lately, and he, he we've... 
mutually kind of decided to, to part ways. So that ma- that match will still take place. I just don't know in what capacity. Smacks won't be at the show. Ugg is still booked in. Um, we have a replacement booked for Smacks that I will tell you about off air, but can announce after Christmas everything going well. Yeah, right. So, so mystery so, opponent X versus yeah, yeah it's kind of, at the moment it's currently x however if you think back to what we said earlier in terms of we're never going to do a bait and switch and if we ever need to replace somebody it needs to be better than the original take that how you will and let your imagination run wild yeah. um but i know i know the match and it's going to be pretty crazy exciting exciting um ug is amazing his reputation precedes him so i i can only imagine that it's going to be uh a killer match regarding who, like, no matter who he's facing. Well, he's been the PWA champion for two years. He's done a bunch of PWG. Um, he's a great export and a great representation of the heavyweights in Australia. So, uh, of course, we're going to put him on. Yeah. Um, and it's a shame. It's a shame that we weren't able to, to host Smacks for it. But uh, I, I think the replacement will be really cool. And you know, hopefully, one day down the track, we can put that match on. Great. We will be watching with bated breath to see who's next. And then ne- next up is... Oh, look, it's you. So, uh, <laughs> so we're, yeah, we're talking about... Yeah, this is a dark match. The... It's not going to air on the pay-per-view. Um... <laughs> you just keep, just keep it... Uh, maybe open up the show with this or what's it going? <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited for this, dude. I watched the, um, the video that you guys did for it, the short video. Uh, if it's cool with you, I might even drop the audio into the uh, into this uh, because I thought you guys cut a great promo um, and, and it's got me pumped for it. January 16th, Deathmatch Down Under's first show. It is the culmination of so much for me in my wrestling career. It's not only the culmination of returning from almost a career-ending shoulder injury, but it's a culmination of my love for Deathmatch Wrestling in Australia. Joel Bateman. One of Australia's most premier deathmatch wrestlers. Heard about you. You've never danced with the Total Violence Champion. Well, a little bit about myself. Danced with some of the best this business has to offer. I've bled with some of the best that the deathmatch world can do. A match like this is me starting to write my magnum opus. I have to take that Agua belt from you. I went through hell and high water to get that time. You have the most important deathmatch title on the west coast of the United States. So to achieve my goal of getting more eyes on deathmatch wrestling in this country, I need that. I don't care who I'm going to take it from. It's my key to the city. In order for you to take that title from me and make the statement you want to make here in Australia, you're literally going to have to kill me. I have to be prepared to kill you for Guido on January 16th. I hope you're prepared to die. I wasn't uh, familiar with Agua, um, but after watching this tiny little video, I'm like, let's fucking go. <laughs> let's get it. Well, to give you an idea, so Agua is also on IWTV. I think they premiered a show last night uh, on IWTV. Uh, the Guido headlines, actually. So Guido came over here. Uh, he, he met his lovely fiance. He's uh, now fiance online and came over here to meet her and the pandemic hit. He was meant to debut for us on the second No Ring show that got cancelled um, and defend that Agua Total Violence title. So Agua is the premier deathmatch company on the West Coast. Yes. 
so out of California, and the Total Violence title is their deathmatch title. So Guido is their champion, and he came over, and he was only meant to be here for 90 days, and then a pandemic happened, and now he's staying. Awesome. So we've got lightning in a bottle where we have the champion of a premier deathmatch company in the US in Australia and an entire roster of deathmatch guys who want to prove themselves. And I've been lucky enough to draw him first. And, again, we did a press conference, and we'll, we'll drop it in its entirety, um, including a corpsing moment where uh, he's asked to describe the stipulation of the match, gets it completely wrong, <laughs> accidentally puts a sexual overtone on it, oh, no. <laughs> and I lose my shit. <laughs> I, I try so hard not to laugh and crack the fuck up. I spoke to the guys, and they're like, do you want us to cut it? And I said, no, nah, it's a real moment. Like, it's genuine. It's funny as shit, but yeah. it's genuine. Um, <laughs> but Guido and I are friends. So outside of the ring, we're, we're mates. I was the guy who hit him up and said, let's go for a beer, when he said, hey, I'm here in Australia, and I don't know anyone. But everything that we've spoken about tonight and everything that we're doing, you look at Australian wrestlers on the world stage, and you pick a territory, whether it be Mexico and Australian suicide, Japan and Mikey Nichols and Charlie Evans with Sendai Girls, whether it's the UK with Aussie Open and Sean Custom, WWE, their, their women's division with Rhea Ripley and Tony Storm, or, or their, their men's division with Buddy Murphy, Bronson Reed, and Tony Modra. Almost called him by his dead name. Um... Deathmatch wrestling is kind of the last frontier for Australians to be at the very top because you know very well that we wrestle to a world-class stage. But for whatever reason, there's no deathmatch guys from Australia at the, at the top of the pile. So I believe that Australian deathmatch wrestling is this is, the t- this is the time to pull the trigger. You know, push the button, shit or get off the puck, whatever you want to say. Guido believes the same thing. He believes that he can help by being the champion. I don't disagree with that. But I believe to achieve what we as a promotion, me as a wrestler, have set out to do, and Australia needs that title belt. We can stand here and say that we're the best in the world until we're blue in the face, but until I've got a piece of hardware to prove it, it's all just hot air. Mm-hmm. So I need that belt. Yeah. You need to take and it from believes, him and, and hold it yeah. and, and show show everyone. You, you've basically hostile takeover, uh, taking his equipment and showing everybody that you can stand there with him. And when the I world have, opens back I've up, you know, you can... I've got the best deathmatch title on the West Coast. Yep, let's go. Which makes me, by proxy, the best deathmatch wrestler on the West Coast. And the second the borders are open, I will fuck off over to California and I will defend that belt with Agua and retain it. Yep, continue to write that legacy and... and Make that to show that, that Australians can fucking hang. Yeah, he believes he can do the same thing by keeping it. I believe I need it. Yeah. So it's it's a simple story, but it's it's true. Yeah, you're like, like I'm sorry, mate. I got to go through you to do this. How yeah. we feel, mm-hmm. and I'll sit here in meetings and I say it off air again till I'm blue in the face. We're ready to do this, but I need that to prove what I'm saying. So the stipulation is a cut can and gusset plate board deathmatch for Jesus the Ugwer Soda Violence title. I believe it's the first time cut cans have been done in Australia. We made a little mock-up board when we did the press day. They suck. They look like it. shit. 
Uh, and gusset plates are also awful. Dude, so, <laughs> Dude that picture um, that Cass put up recently, like, of his arm, like... <laughs> That was bad. Dude, like, if anybody wants to see what a gusset plate could do, go check out Cass's social media. And it's no joke, man, and I'm actually really worried for you. <laughs> like, it's no joke. And it, it proves how much you want it. If you're willing to go through that, go through hell and go through your friend to take that, then that's as real as it gets, you know. That's it. It's like, oh, you know, people say that, you know, wrestling's fake. Show me where the work is. Yeah. You can go and buy a gusset plate from Bunnings. Everyone's torn a soda can in half and cut their thumb after a couple of beers. The story is genuine. Yeah. You show me where the work is, is I'd like to find it because we're both we've both said like either I'm taking that belt from him or he's going to kill me trying. Yeah, that it's yeah, it's the one that's got me the the most pumped. I I love the story of it. And so your plan long term, so so you take the belt. Do you look to defend that belt? Well, obviously, well, white if it, it opens back up, but also as an ongoing title in Deathmatch Down Under? Yeah, so like I said, we've got the, the three belts. The tag belts will be crowned in March. April will be a double header for the heavyweight title tournament. So we're going to have 16 people from all over Australia, Sick. 16 of the best wrestlers in the country. Um, we'll compete over two days to crown our heavyweight title. And then I believe starting in May, we will start the tournament for the deathmatch title, but it'll be two first-round matches in May, two first-round matches in June, the semis in July, and the final in August. So we're going to spread that one out just to be able to give the guys time to recover um, because as much as I love a one-day deathmatch tournament, I can't think of a final of a one-day deathmatch tournament that's been any good because people are knackered the by the end of it. Right, the fans exactly. are tired, the wrestlers are exhausted. Um, and I, I think a one-day deathmatch tournament, which, again, hasn't been done in Australia, should be its own thing. It doesn't need to be hampered by a championship. So that's kind of the plan, the run-through, almost all the way to August in, in terms of the company goals. But, yeah, I mean, if I if I lift the Agua belt, if Guido hangs on to the Agua belt, it will be a part of the company. We spoke to Agua uh, in a lot of detail and kind of laid out our plans for 2021. They're super happy with it. They're super supportive of it. Um, so KJ and Trevino have been brilliant. Um, so mad pops to them. They've been great with, with the support and the carte blanche to be able to, so I guess kind of run their champion through the gauntlet, to be yeah. honest. So like whoever gets the Dukes, whether it's Guido or myself, there's a show in February, you know, and I believe, you know, it's either a defense or a tag match and then there'll be another defense after that. Like it's not a one and done until the borders open up and, you know, that belt can be taken back to, to uh, California and go up against the Beast of the East title and kind of be reunified, then we, we can do with it what we will. And, you know, the fabric of not only our company, but, you know, a promotion an ocean away and literally halfway around the world is going to be impacted by what we do here as well. That, that's so cool. I, I also really enjoy the idea of there potentially being two deathmatch titles because that uh, inevitably leads to the, like, this belt is better because I'm the one that holds it. And that yeah. is always a great uh, a great uh, antithesis for conflict. <laughs> Definitely. Absolutely. All right, man, that, that sounds killer. So, so then next up after that, uh, if everything goes, I mean, we, we touched base on Shazza and her status at the moment, but, but she's going to be via, uh, versing Richie Taylor, right? So Correct. So Richie um, has flown the flag for Melbourne Wrestling better than anyone and 
Um, he's had amazing breakout matches. He's had like every match for him is a breakout match, but for whatever reason, there just happens to be something else on that night. Like he had an amazing street fight against DCT. Uh, he's had a couple of amazing matches with Robbie Eagles. His tag team work with Mike Burr is amazing. All of his single stuff that he's done in NAW and APW. And he travels so much more than people give him credit for as well. I think he hit every state that was doing wrestling last year. Spent some time in Tassie, Adelaide, Perth, Sydney, Brisbane, just all over the joint. Um, He needs to be seen by an international audience. I I genuinely think that. He's been doing it over 10 years. He's so fucking good. Um, But we wanted to give him a test. We didn't want to give him a scrub match. We didn't want to give him an enhancement match. So... Shaz, again, her reputation precedes her. AEW, WWE, Impact, Shimmer, you know, Heart of Shimmer champion, PWWA champion, like, you name it, she's done it in terms of flying the flag for Australian wrestling. So she's very much the the measuring stick when it comes to what you can achieve as an independent internationally. So we've given Richie, I guess, kind of the biggest challenge we can in terms of the level that he needs to play on. Um internationally, and I think it's going to be a great match. Like, it's just one of those matches that no one ever thought, hey, I'd really like to see Richard Taylor versus Shazza McKenzie until we announced it, and everyone went, fuck me, I really want to see yeah, Richard yeah, Taylor versus Shazza that's McKenzie. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, cool. Now, that, that's exciting, man. I think uh, I, I'm i just uh, praying those borders stay open to get long enough to get uh, Shazza through, and, and you guys can knock that one out, because I think it'll be an absolute mm-hmm. banger. <laughs> exactly. And then last but not least is uh, the 100 light tube match uh, between Damien Rivers and Callan Butcher, yeah? Yeah, so we drew straws on the stipulation and um, my match got the cut can of gussets and their match got the 100 light tube. So, so do you feel like you got the short straw in that, that situation? Look, we, we've both kind of sat there and gone, there's no, like, nice. Neither of those was an easy night. Yeah. Uh, and it's also the first show, so as far as I know, they're headlining, so I'm also excited to go out there. I'm going to try and give the match of my life and be able to walk backstage and go top that, fellas. Um, but, the, again, their story is completely genuine. Damien Rivers is the most, I, I keep saying the word underrated, but I can't think of a better one. Like He's been doing death matches since he started wrestling. Like I helped train him. His first match was the night I ended up starting my massive sabbatical from wrestling uh, due to a shoulder injury because I injured my shoulder during that match. Um, tore my labrum, was out for, you know, three and a half years. So since then, he's been doing death matches in companies that don't do death matches and bringing that vibe, that violent, aggressive, ultra-violent, fuckery vibe. If Nick Gage was a bad guy, he'd be Damien Rivers. Like, Damo's hard as fuck and just doesn't take any shit. He's not the technical master that everyone wants him to be, but he he will punch you in the face real fucking hard. And he he bleeds deathmatch wrestling and he wholeheartedly believes in deathmatch wrestling. He's not the most eloquent of people. He says fuck away too much. Can you ever say it too much, though, really? (laughs) Callan, on the other side of it, has been wrestling for a number of years as well and has tried his hand at almost everything and keeps hitting the glass ceiling. And he fell in love with deathmatch wrestling, which what got him into wrestling, but has never really been in a position to do deathmatches. Um, he, he did a no-ring against Cass when he was here, and 
did brilliantly, and I think that kind of cemented his career path for him, where he's gone, I'm going to be one of the best deathmatch wrestlers in the country, or I'm not going to be anything. Which is why his moniker is nobody. He believes he is nobody. Until he's somebody. And Damo's taking exception to that. Damo has been doing deathmatches in front of small crowds for little money for a very long time, really earning his stripes and flying the flag for the genre. Damo believes that Callan is only doing this because deathmatches are trendy. Where Callan has said this is right or die for him. So it's a big difference of opinion and a difference in, I guess, ethos that comes to a head. And we did the press conference when social distancing was a thing. We had to stay 1.5 metres apart. They didn't fucking listen. They flipped the table and got in each other's faces, and you would have seen it on the IWTV commercial. There's a reason why everyone's wearing masks in that room. Like, we take that shit seriously. We had to submit a COVID safe plan to the venue. They violated that. The the heat that they have is very, very real. So we went, okay, because we wrote this card and there's three or four matches on the show that could all go on last. And we sat there and went, okay, like, look, yeah, me and Guido have an issue, but that's very much, we both believe the same thing. And just, it's the result that matters. And Shaz and Richie, that, that's a measuring stick. And, you know, the Bob Weibull death match is going to be crazy, but there's no real story there. The angst between those two guys is very, very genuine. Like, they both believe what they're saying to the fucking hill. So we went, okay, prove it. If Damo has that much, like, takes that much offense, cool, you're on last, prove it. Prove that you're the man you fucking been saying you are all these years. Yeah. Callan, if you're proving that you know, you're into death matches and you're in this for the long haul, well, you're on last, prove it. Prove that you're here to stay. Prove that you're not going to do a Zachary Wentz to come in and have one great death match and then be like, I want and done, folks. No, if you, if you genuinely believe you're going to be a death match guy for the long haul, cool, here's the main event. Prove that you're going to be a death match guy for the long haul. Not to the guys in the back. We don't give a fuck. We believe you, but you got to prove this literally to the rest of the world. And, and take on board the responsibility of delivering a main event for a brand new promotion worldwide. Like, exactly. That's a, all the chips are down. It's like either you're going to do this and show everybody that you're going to do it or you're going to flame out and Rivers is going to make sure that you flame out spectacularly. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. I had my first days of Deathmatch earlier this year. I fully believe that this is where I can make a name for myself and I can make some. There'll be people watching this and never seen me before, never heard my name. Hell, Butch, you dumb motherfucker. Do you even know what the fuck you've gotten yourself into? You want to use deathmatch wrestling as a platform to propel yourself to something you never thought you were. That's what I took from that, and I take a fucking insult. Damien Rivers wants to be a gatekeeper. 100 light tubes, you and me. This isn't fucking training. This is fucking deathmatch wrestling. You're going to get cut. You're going to fucking bleed. Thumbtacks barbed wire, glass or fire. I don't give a fuck what it is. I'm going to knock you the fuck out and I'm going to prove that I am somebody. 100 light tubes. I'm going to individually break each and every single fucking one of them over your fucking head. Well, what happens when this nobody walks into your house and your world and when I speak? Oh, 
dude, I I am so excited for this event. I am so happy that somebody has taken on this task of bringing this to Australia and and doing so in like such a spectacular fashion, man. I think it's in safe hands with you guys, and I think you're doing like amazing work. Like it's fingers really, and tongues crossed. Yeah, exactly. I can't wait. So when does it go live on IWTV, moment? So the show uh, and Out Come the Wolves, uh, it is a rancid album. I put my foot in it on a podcast last week because I didn't know the musical reference. Jay is the musician, not me. And then I can, and then I get a lovely text from my wife going, it's a rancid album, you idiot. And Out Come the Wolves happens uh, at Arrow and Swanson on the 16th of January, 2021. We are sold out, super no vacancy. There will be no more tickets available unless you are media, in which case hit us up through our Contact Us page and we might be able to give you a media pass. However, if you've missed out, um, it will premiere on IWTV on the 28th of January. I believe it's going to be 8 p.m. US time. So that is the 29th of January here in Australia, um, mid-morning sometime. I believe it'll be either 11, 12, or 1. Um, so over the lunch break is when it will premiere. Um we're super, super excited. Like I said, if you haven't signed up for IWTV, please do it already. Um, there's amazing content up there. All of your heavy hitters for Deathmatch Wrestling, not only in America, but they have Big Japan and Freedoms up there. They have Zona 23 and Lucha Libre Vanguardia from Mexico. Um, they have Rise from the UK. They've got the best Deathmatch Wrestling in the world up there. They've also got the best non-Deathmatch Wrestling in the world up there. Black Label Pro, uh, H2O, who are doing amazing things. Uh, action wrestling, Limitless, you name it, they've got it. Battle Arts, uh, old school ECWA and JAPW for you old indie marks for people who are over the age of 30. Um, sign up to IWTV and please use the code DMDU for five days free. Um, it shows IWTV that Australian wrestling fans are just as passionate as we've been telling them they are. Absolutely. And follow Deathmatch Down Under on Twitter at DM Down Under. Get those uh, followers up and those likes up and help spread the word of death. (laughs) Dude, thank you so much for your time today, man. Like to just reach out across the country and be like, hey, you want to have a chat sometime? It really shows the kind of guy you are and, and I appreciate your time more than anything, man. It was really killer. Not a problem, mate. Anytime you want to have a yarn, I'm always here. We're all in this together. So it's the least I can do. I appreciate the platform. I really do. No worries, man. I will be going forward. I'm going to have my eye pretty firmly focused on this and I'll probably be doing reaction shows and all kinds of stuff as I uh, watch this go because uh, I feel like it's ground floor for something really special. So... Yeah, Beautiful. exactly. And if you ever make your way back over the Nullarbor, there's... Um, <laughs> well, man, if... Like a, you're media, mate, so if you... Same thing that Cass said. Yeah. You didn't make it that time, I'll hold you to it. If you can make, if you can drag your carcass over the Nullarbor and make it into Melbourne, we'll put you on the door list and be as long. Amazing. That, that's amazing, man. And Virgin owe me some flights anyway for cancelling my, uh, <laughs> my last <laughs> flight, so it sounds like a good deal to me. Okay, everybody, thank you for your time. Thank you to the smash hit... Joel Bateman for his time. Follow Deathmatch Down Under and follow me at Faces Feels Cast on Twitter, at Faces Feels Cast on Instagram, or send us an email, facesandfeels at gmail.com. And remember, it's all about peace, love, and pro wrestling. Peace out, Joel. Adios. Peace.